Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This week, the spinners take some time to talk with Tom Ascall, Calvinist in the Southern Baptist Convention. Tom's decades in pastoral ministry have given him a valuable perspective on church and doctrine, and his keen insights are worth listening to. Stay tuned after to find out how to get a free audio message from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Well, thank you for joining us for Mortification of Spin. Of course, I'm joined always by my friends Amy Bird and Carl Truman. And today, we're talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart as someone who was raised in the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, someone who came to know the Lord in a Southern Baptist church and heard the gospel in a Southern Baptist church and who still has a great deal of, of affection for my Southern Baptist brothers and sisters. We're talking about Calvinism in the Southern Baptist Convention. And yes, it does exist in the Southern Baptist Convention. In fact, Carl and Amy, I would dare say that many, if not most oftentimes, of the Calvinists people meet these days happen also to be Baptists, which is kind of a strange phenomenon. I mean, you go to some of the big conferences that are typically Reformed-ish, or at least committed to the doctrines of grace, and if you're a Presbyterian, you're in the minority. Yeah, I was going to say in uh, 20... In 2009, I was down at a conference, was speaking at a conference at a PCA church in Florida, and the only visitors from outside of the congregation to that conference were actually Southern Baptists. Wow, wow. So I remember thinking, you know, these people are not far from the kingdom of God. <laughs> exactly, um, so exactly. I was impressed. Right. Uh, well, speaking of Florida, we have uh, a guest with us today. Uh, it's Dr. Tom Askell. Uh, Tom is the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. So those of you in cold climates, eat your heart out. Uh, Tom is also the founder of Founders Ministries, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, he is also completely ambivalent about Texas A&M football, cares <laughs> nothing about the subject whatsoever, and uh, probably couldn't answer any question about uh, Texas A&M football. But uh, Tom, Pastor Tom, thank you for joining us today. Well, it's my joy to be here with you, Todd. Thank you, and Carl and Amy. Glad to meet you guys. Well, we're uh, we're happy that you joined us. And as Carl mentioned, uh, there is an interesting phenomenon about uh, Baptists, and even more specifically, Southern Baptists uh, as as Calvinists. Now, this isn't a brand new development, but I, I would guess that the popularity of, shall we say, the doctrines of grace among Southern Baptists is something that has, uh, is at least in our time, fairly, fairly recent. Um, however, one of the reasons why we had you on the program, Tom, is that you were a Calvinist before Calvinism was cool, yes? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. It's been over three decades now. Yeah, so you are a, a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, not exactly a bastion of Calvinism. And in fact, I was going to ask, are, are they planning on building anything in your honor at Southwestern Seminary? <laughs> I understand that there is a toilet stall that has my name on it somewhere on campus. <laughs> okay. Well, I was wondering if it might be something like that. Also, I, you know, I was, now that I'm thinking about it, um, Paige Patterson has recently said, which, which uh, this was crazy because Carl Truman actually preached at Southwestern Seminary several weeks ago, which I thought, I mean, that shocked me. That kind of tur turned my world upside down. He also, he also expressed the fact that basically his favorite Calvinist 
is Carl Truman, which I thought, you know, I wonder if Tom knows about this and if that hurt Tom at all. Am I not everybody's favorite Calvinist? Because <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking, Tom, I was thinking, Tom, that, that you might be uh, Paige Patterson's favorite Calvinist, but you apparently don't make the list. <laughs> well, that's one of many lists that I have not made, so that's not any surprise there. Uh, and I understand why Carl Truman would be Paige Patterson's favorite Calvinist. I mean, Carl Truman has a great following. I've been his fanboy for you know, <laughs> many, many years. Oh, He's one of my favorite celebrities. Oh, nice. Carl Truman is your homeboy? Yes, perfect, perfect. Um Tom, so uh, why you're the founder of Founders Ministries? Now, why the name Founders? If for for those who who may not know why that's important. Yeah, and I don't know that it's fair to say that I'm the founder of Founders. I'm one of seven men that helped begin this ministry 32 years ago, yeah. um, and we called it at the time. Uh, wanting to have just a pastor's conference. We called it the uh, Southern Baptist Conference on the Faith of the Founders. Mm -hmm. And that was just mercifully shortened to Founders <laughs> Conference you know, uh, after a few years. Yeah. But the, the reason for that is that the, the founding of the Southern Baptist Convention was led by men, 293 delegates showed up in May of 1845 and Augusta, Georgia. Every one of them came from churches or associations held unambiguously to the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, either in its Charleston or Philadelphia expressions. And so there was no doubt that those who formed the entity that became known as the SBC were Calvinists. They, the, Calvinism was the cradle in which the SBC was rocked. Yeah. Yeah, which is huge, and I, and, and I think a, a bit of history that most Southern Baptists are unaware of. Yeah, that's gotten, gotten much better. I mean, certainly yeah, from definitely. my days at Southwestern, I had professors that did not know that and, and found it very difficult to believe. Right. Uh, but today, because of the material that's been published and the ready access to it, um, anyone who wants to be informed can be. Right. Why do you think there was such antipathy then towards Calvinism in the Southern Baptist Convention, Tom? Uh, when? You're talking about over the last 30 or 40 years or longer? I, I, my, my, I suppose my own knowledge of the Southern Baptist Convention is fairly limited and really of the fairly recent history, but it seems to me that there are, there's a lot out there of... Uh, Fairly, uh, fairly aggressively anti-Calvinist rhetoric in in certain quarters of the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, yeah, that that's true, and it's it's really interesting because um, it depends on your perspective, where you're sitting from. From my perspective, some of that anti-Calvinism rhetoric has died down over the last five or six years, uh, which may yeah. seem strange to someone from your vantage point. Uh, however, it's still there, and it's, there's still um, pockets where it is, it is pretty intense. And I think there are several reasons for it. I do believe that some still do not want to acknowledge our history. Uh, they've gone from saying Southern Baptists have never believed that to now saying, well, yeah, that was one of the streams mm -hmm. that were uh, present in the early forming of the convention. And of course, that's a historian's debate, and I'm always happy to, to listen to it and enter in a little bit to it, because uh, some of the arguments that are used by those who are opposed to Calvinism and wanting historical support um, actually play right into the, the very case that we've been making now for decades. 
and uh, so the, the the history that they appealed to when looked at uh, from theological vantage point actually supports the argument that I just made earlier, the assertion that I just made earlier. So, but I think that the antipathy goes much deeper than that because here's the reality: if what we believe about the gospel and how the gospel works, and I do believe those who are not full-blown Calvinists can know and love the gospel and believe the gospel and preach the gospel. I'm not suggesting that. But in terms of how the gospel works, in terms of what happens to a person when he becomes a Christian, how a person becomes a Christian, what a Christian is, and then what a church is that is formed by Christians and in our Baptist context with a commitment to a regenerate church membership, if what we believe about those things is true, then that is an indictment on much that has been taught and practiced yes. for uh, at least two or three generations pretty commonly right. within the Southern Baptist context. And so that's a pretty hard and bitter pill to swallow for folks. So, Tom, um, given the fact that uh, the Southern Baptist Convention was founded by men who were clearly Calvinistic in their soteriology, given the fact that uh, uh, the, the very first, correct me if I'm wrong, the very first Southern Baptist confession of faith, wasn't it the abstract of principles? That's correct. Which is basically, wouldn't you say, a derivative of the Westminster Standards, just a Baptistic version? Yes, it's an abstract of the Second London Confession yeah. of Faith. Yeah, and and J- James Boyce, yeah. who was the founder of Southern Seminary, referred to the Westminster Confession as, quote, our confession. Wow. Wow. Okay, so, so how does a, a denomination then founded in that way, how, how did it drift off into the more revivalistic, um, really, in a lot of ways, Arminian uh, type of, of theology and practice? How did that happen? Well, I think that, in general, that we see that all across life. There's just this always downward pull uh, right. because of sin. There's always a drift away from what is true and right and good. And and that certainly did happen. Southern Baptists were insulated from a lot of uh, the things that took place in terms of influence from uh, European thought and even some of the evolutionary thought that took root in North America in the latter part of the 19th, early 20th century, because there was a sectarianism uh, to much Southern Baptist life. They were in the South, of course, the after effects of the uh, Civil War, all of those things contributed as well. What got Southern Baptist was not so much the uh, same types of uh, attacks that find denominations. What got Southern Baptist was more of a pragmatism that mm-hmm. began to shove theology to the peripheral edges of identity and importance. And it, it's really, it's, it's tragic, but it is somewhat understandable whenever you go back and look and see what was happening. In the 1920s, uh, there was this great uh, sense of uh, hope in the late teens and 20s that you know we, the, the SBC was branching out, sending missionaries, uh, good things were happening. There was this very significant campaign called uh, the 75 million campaign, which was a pledge to raise $75 million for uh, benevolent causes, missionary causes, evangelistic causes in uh, churches that are Baptists in the South, the SBC. Well, of course, the Depression hit. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these pledges uh, that were made could not be kept in churches, individuals. There was just a lot of suffering that, that happened. And there's actually correspondence 
correspondence. I don't know that it's ever seen the light of day, but Tom Nettles has discovered correspondence between certain Southern Baptist leaders in which they are arguing with each other and saying, look, you cannot come out with this position. You've got to drop this argument. So we are about to go under. If we do not get uh, this, these, these monies coming in to pay these bills that we've incurred, uh, then it doesn't matter whatever else happens. And so theological precision and theological concerns begin to be sublimated to this larger concern of, of keeping this ship afloat and and moving things forward. So, I mean, that happened by God's grace. You could say, I think you should say, uh, there was some coalescing around the Baptist faith and message of 1925, Mm -hmm. which was a, uh, not a revision. It was more than that. It was built upon the, New Hampshire statement of faith, and it was a good statement in many respects. Uh, it, it had a good statement against Darwinianism and right. things like that in there. That was it was helpful. Uh, but from that, then there just began to be this assumption through the 30s and 40s that yeah, we all agree on these things, and we've got bigger fish to fry right now. In the 1950s, there was an explosion uh, of. Um, Institutional and and um, well, institutional causes maybe is a good way to put it. Of course, it was after World War II, so the the nation has this can-do attitude and spirit about it. And if you look in the 1950s, there were more institutions and and more movements formally begun uh, by Southern Baptists than I think really in any other decade of our history. And again. And it was very pragmatic, methodological. A million more in 54 was a campaign, you know, and then it was nobody named it, but it should have been called try to keep them alive in 55 because you couldn't find them uh, after the fact. But that was one of those big deals. Um, So we come into the 60s then, and the unifying identity of Southern Baptists is methodology. Mm -hmm. We do what we do. in certain ways that identify us as Southern Baptists. And so you had your, even we had envelope uh, cards or envelopes that were used for offerings. They had little uh, boxes where you check off your daily Bible reading, right. daily prayer. I remember you know, you, those. Yeah. You, oh yeah. So, I mean that, but that was kind of Southern Baptist identity. Exactly. That, that was our marker. Yeah. It was methodological. So, so, so yeah. So, so identity moved away from, from, any, I, I mean, other than as far as spe- doctrinal specifics go, uh, apart from just the most general type of of evangelical affirmations, identity really moved from being grounded in in any specifics doctrinally into more pragmatic and uh, uh, managerial type concerns. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And it, it wasn't that there was a rejection or outright denial. Right. It was just you know, doctrine was no longer at the center. I. I I took uh, some real encouragement, sadly so, but encouragement in reading David Wells's books yeah. in, in which he art made this case for a broader evangelical concern and, and just seeing, yeah, that's exactly what happened to the right. SBC, not for the same reasons always, but right. the exact same thing happened to theology. Exactly. So, so in the 60s, then what began to happen in the 50s and 60s is, is um, our institutions were not rigorously um, – the theological confessional as right. they had been. And there began to be this, um, oh, I don't know, this sense of envy or desire for respectability in the academy. 
And so many of, of our scholars or those that aspired to be scholars were very desirous of being recognized right. by the broader academic world. And of course, you can't have any respectability if you believe in things like creation right. and or uh, bodily. Yeah, right. that's right. You know, so all of these doctrines then begin to be questioned. And, and there was a big turn as well in theology that impacted Southern Baptists in the 20s and 30s um, with a, a personalism that came in largely through E.Y. Mullins, who mm -hmm. was a giant of an influence among Baptists in right. general and specifically Southern Baptists. And so like his magnum opus is called the Christian religion in its doctrinal expression. Hmm. And you can hear the title, yeah. you know, that, that what's important here is religion. And yes, we've got to talk about it doctrinally, but that's not really the issue. It's, it's, it's experience. Right. Well, I've made a, a strange observation in some of my experience with um, Southern Baptist church plants. My husband and I uh, were a member of one early in our marriage, and we actually sought that church out because we, we looked up the website on the internet and we saw that it was a Southern Baptist church plant. But then in talking to the, the pastor and the, the lead team, we noticed they wanted to kind of be on the down low about the fact that they were a Southern Baptist church. And I've noticed that in a couple other uh, churches that are Southern Baptist affiliated, yet um, don't really want to identify themselves that way. Do you, are you aware of this or have yeah. any comment about that? I find I, that kind of strange. Well, um, I, yeah, it, it might be strange on one level. On another level, to, my, to me, it's completely understandable because Southern Baptists have done some, some things that haven't been always wise. And there have been a lot of things done in the name of Southern Baptists that uh, the rest of us get painted with that isn't necessarily fair. So I can understand that. I, I think a couple of years ago at the SBC, it was agreed upon that you could call yourself Great Commission Baptists as well. And so mm. a lot of, I assume, we'll start doing that. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's maybe some embarrassment. There, there have been some things said and done publicly by some Southern Baptist leaders in the years prior to the, the most recent five or six that um, that have just been inexcusable and yeah. positions staked out that they weren't necessarily bad positions, but the way that they were articulated and defended just made you want to shake your head, if not more. Right. So I get that. And then also just the, the whole uh, demographics, it, we still we have people in our church who have uh, some have come to Christ and, and they have family and friends up in the northeast. And the questions they get is, tell me that you don't go to one of those snake handling churches. You know, this, this is a Southern Baptist church. You know, what do you do? I mean, I'm, I've read about those people, you know, that type of thing. And so there's just a lot of baggage with that. And if a, a church getting started doesn't want to carry that baggage, that's no big deal to me. Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have a similar thing with the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I've lost count of the number of people who have asked me over the years, you know, are you connected to Russian Orthodoxy, <laughs> Eastern Orthodoxy in some way? It's, really? So we've actually dropped the Orthodox from, from the title of our church, local church in order to try to avoid that avoid kind of confusion. confusion. And I would, yeah. I would imagine that would be pretty 
common confusion up here in the Philadelphia area, especially, yeah, because of the presence of Russian Orthodox, yeah. Eastern Orthodox, yeah. yeah. And there's the whole problem churches. that Carl's name's attached and to Carl's the church. Yeah, they dropped my name from the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the signpost <laughs> now, as well. Now, now, now Tom, the, the whole reason we had you on here today, all of this Calvinism and Southern Baptist, that's all been a smokescreen. Okay. The main reason we've had you on is because we want to know when is the Southern Baptist Convention going to do something about Stephen Furtick and Ed Young Jr.? Uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> we call them the gifts that keep on giving. <laughs> That's what we call them here. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think, you know, there are some people that are that are surprised when they find out that those men are Southern Baptists and that their churches are Southern Baptist churches. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> one other question, Another Tom. reason why you might not want to identify. <laughs> one last question, Tom, before, before yeah, we close good, out. Is, uh, you know, Todd is a Southern Baptist apostate. Uh, what yes. do you guys do with apostates? Do you have kind of fatwas? Um, and can I legitimately put Todd to death after the show or something on your behalf? <laughs> no, we get in a back room that's filled with smoke and we hang them in effigy. <laughs> I want to buy one of those effigies. Yeah, yeah. You can lure them in there yeah. with the pipe smoke. <laughs> Wait. Now, I have a question as well. Amy, yeah. you said you and your husband sought out a Southern Baptist church because it was Southern Baptist. Right. Are you guys Baptists? No, um, we're Presbyterians now. But so you're apostate as well? <laughs> yes, yes. So, wait, so two of the three. Yeah. Well, and I was a Reformed Baptist, so I'm an apostate. I grew up Southern Baptist, so yeah, I have a strong connection Yeah, all three of us came to Christ through Baptists. Yeah. How about that? What does that yeah. tell you? Yeah. Well, it, it tells me that you have forsaken your, your mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I, I will tell you this in, in all seriousness. It tells you that one of the things is as goofy as some corners of the Baptist world can be, just like some corners of the Presbyterian world, uh, there's a whole lot of Baptists over the years that have been very faithful to the gospel. And yeah. uh, we're, we're thankful for that. Um, yeah. I, I grew up hearing the gospel um, in Amen. a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And so that's it's a great thing. But it, you know, it's fascinating to me. You, you guys ought to do a, a show on this sometime. Um, the number of very useful servants of Christ today who formally were Baptists, mm-hmm. or more specifically, formerly Southern Baptists. Yeah. Starting with uh, Todd. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. Jerry Bridges yeah. and Michael Horton mm-hmm. and um, Burke Parsons. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. That, that, that's, it's a great point. I mean, I, listen, I've joked about the fact that uh, uh, the PCA would be half the size it is or less if it weren't for all the former Southern Baptists um, that, are, that are among <laughs> us. Make but, that uh, a subtitle. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, but Tom, we're, we are, we're actually, we're very glad that you are laboring faithfully in the fields of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're, very, we're thankful that now you're not quite as anathematized as you were maybe uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> And that you've uh, achieved some level of acceptance in your denomination. And uh, I, for one, as, as a guy who was a, a brand new Southern Baptist pastor who had come to accept the doctrines of grace, was very grateful to stumble across, quite by accident on the internet, Founders Ministry back in about 1999. And, uh, and you guys helped kind of save my sanity. Uh, for a while, because I thought I was alone until I found Founders. Mm-hmm. So, uh, bless you in uh, in your work, not only with Founders, but just in your daily faithful work as a pastor. Um, I'm glad uh, that there's good, solid uh, Southern Baptists like you out there. So, thanks well, so thank much you. for joining us. Thanks. Sir. 
Tom, uh, hope to see you again sometime, and uh, thanks yes. for joining us. And for all of you that uh, listened in, hope this has been a, a good and fun and helpful conversation about things that count, and we'll see you again next time. Glory, hallelujah, I shall not be moved. Anchored in Jehovah, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold to the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Go to our website, mortificationofspin.org, to download a free MP3 from the Alliance called The Five Points of Calvinism by Roger Nicole. And come back next week when Carl is too busy being famous to talk with Todd and Amy. Unfortunately, uh, the much-beloved uh, Carl Truman is on tour right now, or as you might know him, Rev Master T, is on tour right now through Australia and uh, doing what he does best. His art, his hip-hop, his rap. Uh, you can feel it. Uh, Carl's got the rhythm. In his place, they found the author of a new book on Luther. It's great to be on the program. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed that the the witty, intelligent, and good-looking one isn't available today, but I'm very happy to be interviewed by <laughs> you two also, Rance. We'll see you next week. Don't forget to stop by mortificationofspin.org to download your free MP3. Did you get that Harley yet? No. I, I, you know, why don't you guys go back and put a tag in on this program for a fund for Tom Askell's Harley? That's a great idea. We should do that for him. We should do that. That'll yeah, make you right? a cool Calvinist. Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs>